You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So, a couple weeks ago, me and my wife got to do a couple's retreat. I know I told you that and so forth, but um, we had a really good time. I thought one of my funnest times was, uh, of course, you got husbands and wives in the room, and um, was, I was just showing how different men and women are. <clears throat> I was relating. I just went through and pulled up online the sense, S-C-E-N-T-S, of women's uh, shampoos, body washes and all of those kinds of things. And every one of them had a fruit or honey or something that could be eaten in the name of those um, uh, items that the ladies like to put in their hair and, and all those things. I pulled up online some of the things men, products that men use, and it had to do with trees. <laughs> Seriously, trees. And I remember telling the ladies that, um, I mean, guys would even buy it. I said if it had, you know, made from tree bark, we would buy that. Uh, you guys know what essential oils are? How many knows what the essential oils are? A bunch of you know what those are. So you put it in this little volcano cone-like thing, and I don't know if there's water that goes in there, and then you put those essential oils in there, right? And then you plug it in, and this just miraculously healing product comes out. It is supposed to heal mental diseases. Uh, we apparently have not used it long enough at our house, but um, it puts you in a better mood um, and, and heals your sinus problems and all these things. Just to whatever you need, you've got to put the right essential oil in there, and women have apparently fallen in love with essential oils. I just want to make an announcement to all the women here tonight. Men only need two essential oils. One is Crisco, the other one is motor oil. <laughs> Crisco oil, yeah. And if you like Krispy Kreme, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, 2 Corinthians 12, none of that had anything to do with tonight's message, but I just... Wanted to make sure I could share that before I got out the doors here, because that was so funny to me when I got to hear that. Coconut, yeah, well, we'll do with coconut. We'll add that to the list too, coconut oil. So, um, so the reason for thorns, I don't, I don't like thorns. I've stepped on them on my, um, back home, I would wear a pair of tennis shoes as long as I could wear them. And then when they got wore out on the bottom and they were eaten through, I would put, seriously, I would do this. I would put cardboard in the bottom so that I wouldn't have to go get a new pair of tennis shoes because I love those tennis shoes. I had them broke in in the creek and everything. They were just right. 
but I did find out that when I stepped on a thorn, it would immediately go into my foot, and I, I hated that. I remember being in <clears throat> Rio Dosa, New Mexico with our in-laws, and while we were there, uh, Candace, being much younger at the time, just a little girl, was playing in their, their window, um, their big picture window, and had a ledge on it, you know, wide enough to sit on, and she was sitting on it, scooting back and forth on that thing with her bare feet, and she come jumping off there and hobbling, she said, Dad, I think I have a splinter in my toe, and I looked, and sure enough, she had a little tiny splinter sticking out. I said, now hold still, and I couldn't get it out, so I got some uh, tweezers, and I, I pulled it out about a half an inch, and it was still in there. I pulled out about an inch, and it was still in there. Um, she had slid along that window ledge and had taken, you know, as long as you push your foot, that splinter will just continue to peel away from the wood, and she drove a splinter up in her foot about that long up in her foot, and I was gagging trying to pull that thing out. So I said, it's okay, honey, don't look. It's going to just be just fine. It was just pretty much surface, but it was, it was pretty ugly. Thorns are things most people do not like to have a part in, but I wanted to read in a passage of Scripture tonight uh, a man who um, dealt with thorns and a man who dealt with them in a very godly way that has taught me some very valuable lessons in my life, some thoughts that I hope uh, could try to be a help to us again. Um, preached from this passage several times down through the years, like most preachers probably have. But, yeah, 2 Corinthians 12, the reason for thorns. Look with me in verse 1, chapter 12. And the Bible says, and here's Paul speaking about an incident in his life that nobody here has ever experienced. You'll never have the experience quite like the Apostle Paul did because once the Apostle Paul experienced this, he came back to earth, uh, which is something that we won't do in quite in the way that he will. So notice what he did. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. It would not be a good thing. Uh, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I'm going to make you aware about things that he's saying that, that happened to me concerning God. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one, notice what happened to this man, caught up to the third heaven. Now, who do you think he's talking about there? I knew a man. Well, the name is never mentioned, and he's just trying to be humble in this passage. But the, the man he's talking about is himself. The Apostle Paul was caught up into the third heaven with God. And he's telling just now, bringing these things out. So and, um, it kind of almost feels forced to have to do this to prove his credentials in some ways, to silence the critics in other ways. It's not a subject that Paul wanted to bring out, but he did, and the Holy Spirit moved upon him to do so, to tell about having been caught up into heaven, guys. You just imagine this. Verse 3, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, he says it again, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross that got saved? Uh, Today thou shalt be with me where? In paradise. <clears throat> he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is 
uh, not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. I'm going to glory in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. He's trying to stay humble about this. Now notice in verse 7, and um, maybe I've encouraged you over the years to highlight some things in here, and I would encourage it again. Verse 7, and lest I should be exalted, this phrase is really critical here tonight, above measure. Whatever that word means or those words mean is really key to what Paul is trying to get across here, and lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, what measure are you talking about, Paul? Um, he says, lest that happens through the abundance of the revelations, because of the things I got to see. He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be, here it is again, exalted above measure. God knew that was a potential for him, for any man, for any person on this earth to get so exalted that they're no longer any good or worthy of being used. And when a person has done that, you've been exalted above whatever measure we're talking about here tonight. We'll bring it out a little bit in the message. <clears throat> so God gave him a thorn in the flesh to afflict him, to keep him humble. Verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So a whole lot happened between the first part of this chapter and what we're about to read right now. So now, instead of praying for a thorn to be removed, Paul now says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. He's naming what the thorns were now. I'd rather glory now in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he said, I've learned this, when I am weak, then am I strong. So let's have prayer there, and we'll thank you, Lord, for your word and how it has always spoken to my heart. And again, this has always been a passage that's humbled me. <clears throat> And I do pray that the spirit that is being um, displayed, portrayed in um, this passage of Scripture might be able to spread amongst our congregation tonight, Lord, starting in the pulpit. And may you talk to our hearts, God, and help us to understand some things that will help us to be a better Christian for you and better in your service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, this passage of Scripture gives us what I would call three different steps in the progression of those thorns that are at work in our life. First thing Paul deals with is the glories in our life, the highlights, those great uh, moments that you love to think about uh, and, and just kind of revel in those things, uh, kind of feel good about how good life was at that time and, and how great things seem to have been during those times, those glories in life. 
he begins to deal with those. And then number two, he like flips it upside down and says, now I want to talk about the sufferings in this life. And then it progresses from there to the strength in the Christian's life. So let's, let's look at them in that uh, order, the way Paul gives it to us here. So uh, he talked, first of all, about these glories that are in his life, the glories in life. Um, and, and look at them again there in verse, verses 1 to 4. He said, it's not expedient uh, for me, doubtless, to glory. I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I'm going to bring out to you guys things that happened to me. I've, I've held this back for many years now and so at this moment in time it seems like it would be a good time to be able to share this to bring out the the proper result he said he begins to talk about himself there in verse two said i knew a man in christ above notice how long ago a secret that he's kept something that he didn't want to run around town bragging about this is not something you brag about what he's saying here tonight he's waited 14 years to bring the subject out. I knew a man, verse 2, in Christ above 14 years ago, and he's just being honest. He said, I don't even know if I was in the body or out of the body. I couldn't tell. That's what he's trying to say to us. Uh, the end of the verse says, such an one caught up to the third heaven. He said, I was caught up into the third heaven in the presence of God. I don't know if I was just simply in the spirit, or I don't know if it was my, I was in my flesh while I was in the presence of God. He said, just makes that very clear and he says it again in verse 3 and I knew such a man whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth and then he said in verse 4 how that he was caught up into paradise and heard guys unspeakable words which it's not lawful for a man to utter I've heard all kinds of explanations of what it means when he says it's not lawful uh, for a man to utter I I've got an idea if we stepped into heaven and we heard language in heaven, from heaven tonight, that it would be of such purity and uh, of such a nature that I wonder how well we could probably understand what was being said in heaven. I don't know if it was something that was so glorious that he'd never heard words like that ever before, and it was just hard for him to really comprehend the holiness and the godliness of what he was hearing, or if it was just things that once he heard them in heaven, that, that it was something he wasn't supposed to spread or legal for a man to be able to hear down here and I've heard those kind of explanations as well let me just tell you tonight it's not so critical that we know exactly what was being said but Paul begins to relate the most unbelievable story I mean can you imagine yourself being caught up into heaven I mean it would be like you getting to have a part in um, you know a preview of the rapture uh, to, to know what that would be like to stand before God in heaven. I've often said, Lord, if I, if I could have a vision of, of one of two things, I think either one of them would just make me the best missionary the world's ever heard or seen or the, the best preacher that I could ever possibly be. And I thought, if I could either get a vision of heaven and see what heaven's going to be like, or if God would split the earth open and let me see what hell looks like and to hear the screams and the cries of the souls in hell tonight, I thought, man... That would stir my heart in a way uh, like nothing else would. But I've come to find out that if the pure Word of God does not motivate me, that even seeing visions of things would not motivate me in, a, in a, any greater fashion. It's basically what uh, the rich man in hell was told, by the way. So, I've heard about soldiers, especially who've come back, back in my day, who were, had spent time in the Vietnam era. 
I've got a neighbor across the street. It would be Bev's, the lady that got saved, Bev's husband, uh, spent time in the war. And they just, uh, my next door neighbor, Terry, they got saved. Uh, Vietnam War. And um, I, I love watching war movies. I enjoy that. Uh, and so I would love to hear those guys talk about those things, but they won't talk about them. I will tell you this, real heroes um, are not into bragging or bringing up things and using it almost like um, exploiting somebody's tough experiences. Um, but that was basically because of the horrors of war and because of the character that they developed shoulder to shoulder alongside of one another. But whatever happened to Paul here, this event had such an impact on him that he wouldn't talk about it either. But his was for different reasons. Paul was taken up to the third heaven. You understand the three heavens, the air we breathe, the stars in the heavens, and then heaven itself are those, um, those three heavens. Paul is speaking about something that happened, remember, 14 years ago. And this is the first recorded time in history that he mentions it. Have you ever said, no, I, I promise I won't tell anyone? Well, it's been three years now. And I mean, hey, enough time's passed, right? It's not that big a deal, is it, right? Well, a promise is a promise. Never means never, and I'll never tell means I'll never tell. And we are so human. And yet here is Paul 14 years uh, down the road. And uh, again, this is, listen to me very carefully, this is history's first time that a real out-of-the-body experience is recorded. Did you hear that? Out-of-the-body uh, experience. <clears throat> Ever heard of the out-of-the-body experience books? I've had books in my office. I've read about them. I've read about people who have died. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about it. I don't know if it's right, real or not. I don't know. I've never, I've never been in one of these circumstances, but people will die they say they come out of the body, see themselves laying on the operating table or whatever, or in the car accident laying there. They'll come up above uh, their own body, see the doctors and nurses working on them, and then they, they carry it up to what they say is a, a heaven, and they see a bright light coming toward them or me moving toward a bright light, and, they, and they've come back into their bodies and have lived again. And listen to me, they have said... Well, I, I know without a doubt now that I'm on my way to heaven because when I died, I was on my way to heaven and I saw God. I, I saw Jesus coming toward me. Just remember this, that Satan himself is able to transform himself into what? An angel of what? Light. And who knows who they were really looking at or seeing? Who knows if it was God an angel, or if it was Satan himself. I don't know, and I don't think they can even really know. But without doubt, this event recorded here tonight that we've just read about is a very real out-of-the-body experience if he did stand before God outside of his body. Um, <clears throat> so uh, remember how easily deceived man uh, can be about those kinds of things. So... What, what would happen if you got to see heaven? No man can get to the third heaven without God himself taking him there. Paul didn't just decide, you know, I'd love to step into heaven tonight and see what things look like. It was no doubt in my heart and mind the source of strength that kept him going during all the afflictions that we mentioned in the last 
verses of our previous chapter if you want to go back and, and read about all the things that happened to him. And that presence of God, the strength that he drew from God in that meeting and the things that he learned that he passes on to the churches is what kept a man going during some of the most difficult times in his life. So can I say this to us here tonight for this first point's sake? There are going to be times in the Christian life that are just glorious. They don't get any, we say, we like those words, just doesn't get any better than this. Uh, it could be a church service where uh, you were there and it was revival for you. I mean, God met with you and it was so glorious. And you'll never forget a time like that. When you look backwards in your time and you're looking at the mountain peaks that are standing up the highest in your past life, I'm talking about those highest mountaintops that are just glorious. Uh, and there's going to be times in the Christian life where uh, you'll be at the top of your game. You'll be said to be, some say, you're in the prime of your life, or you've, you've never done any better than at that time in your life. Things will really be, you know, they'll say, clicking for you. For a preacher, it might be when the church is doing its best, or when it's at its greatest growth, or maybe when more souls are coming to Christ than ever before, who knows what the glorious moment in your life may be. It's different from person to person, but I want to say thank God for the mountaintops in the Christian life. I am so thankful for those. Um, let me just say this as, as uh, quickly as I can. A mountaintop, though, is not meant to define who we are, but they are to refine us. Those heavenly experiences, those times when you were closest to God, the time when you were at an altar before God and it was so wonderful and so glorious, those moments don't always define us. They can refine us, but um, if you begin to expect that that's the way it's going to be or should be the rest of my life, you're going to be brokenhearted for many days of your life. So Paul begins to deal with those glorious moments in life, and then he moves quickly, guys. Stay with me on this one. Now he moves down to the sufferings in life in verses 5 to 8. Look at those again. Verse 5, um, <clears throat> of such an one will I glory. I'm going to tell you about this guy. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Paul, you're just talking about mountaintops. Why bring infirmities into this? Verse 6, for though I would desire to glory... I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Boy, here it is, guys. And lest I should be exalted, uh, there's those words, above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Well, what was that thorn? Well, it was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure measure. I hope you're awake tonight and listening to this. Um, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. We learn a lot about glory and about promotion in the Christian life from the Apostle Paul. And if I can just say this to every one of us here tonight, there's a danger in promotion. Please hear me. There's a danger in elevation being on the mountaintop exposes you to things that you'll never experience in a valley. You become very vulnerable to some things that you may not even feel creeping in upon you. 
the lack of any real oxygen is very real on a mountaintop. And what you're breathing in may not be filling your lungs like you think it is. There's a danger in promotion. It generates, it feeds, it facilitates our pride. And our pride begins to grow and to swell us up. Um, and, and we become things that God never intended us to be. Guys, now, if I can have your full attention here, please listen to this. Every person in this room tonight has a measure of how much exalting you can take before pride begins to lift you up and ready to take you down. You have a measure of that. You have a measure of grace. You have, can we put it this way, you've grown in the Lord to the place that you're strong enough that if things come at me to this measure and I've been blessed, I've been exalted in some way, I'm, I can remain humble, I am, I'm not falling in pride, but God knows when it gets beyond that and the exalting continues to increase and you begin to feel this building up and you start to feel like, you know, you are something and that the world couldn't really make it without you and that, you know, our church would never be the same if I wasn't here and on and on those words can go. Uh, when that begins to happen, then you've been exalted above measure there's a a measure that you can handle when you get beyond that measure you're on your way down pride is eating away at you it'll it begins to ruin your life this is the very thing that happened to lucifer when he uh, had to be cast out of the third heaven he was lifted up in pride i i will be like the most high god so sometimes god allows pain and suffering to come into the christian life to keep us from reaching the end of that measure that we have and he does so so that we can remain effective in his service life may not be so good for you right now please hear me life may be tough for you right now my heart just breaks when uh, that johnson family sits over there and there's a little dahlia on the end of that row trying to smile i watched people going up to her today trying to shake her hand and, and give her hugs and i watched her do everything she could put a smile on her face for you. Everybody has something they probably are experiencing and something they're going through. It doesn't feel good. Uh, try moving and then see how you feel for the next week or so. Um, God has a way of humbling us. God has a way of keeping us where I begin to swell. You ever seen a, you know, a, a kid blowing up a balloon and you're like, you're seeing it and it's starting to look real transparent and it's looking more like air than a balloon and you, if something doesn't happen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop. And you ever seen a brother or a sister come up behind them and just poke it with a, a needle and that thing just pops, man. It scares everybody. Um, <clears throat> God watches us swell up and he knows if you get too much bigger... You're not going to be effective in his service. You may look good, sound good, act good, but you're unusable to God. Hey, listen, so you know what God does? Pulls out some thorns in the Christian's life and allows those thorns to come to a swelling being, just walks up and pokes that swelling heart filled with pride and brings you down to the level you ought to be. Does anybody know what bozos are? Is anybody here old enough to know? Well, Bozo the Clown, of course, but 
I might be calling them the wrong thing, but when I, we were like five years old, me and my sister, twin sister, do you know I was a twin? I, uh, we, we, for Christmas, we got, I thought they were called bozos. They were just blow-ups, uh, plastic blow-ups in the form of a clown, and the bottom of it was filled with sand, and you could punch that thing, and it'd come right back up, yeah, come back up and hit your sister, you know, you could really make it do that. And I had, I was having so much fun with that, five years old, a little boy, and my sister was sitting over there, and I kept punching it, and it would smack her in the face. And I'd punch it again, man, I'd laugh, I remember this, I'd laugh so hard, and and she'd jump like that. She'd say, stop it, Philip. And I'd laugh. And I'd punch it again. After about four times, I should have known what she was doing. She was filing her little five-year-old nails with one of those real pointy fingernail files. And about the fifth time, I was laughing, and I punched it again, and she held it up. And Bozo lost all of his air. And I cried. I did. I cried. <laughs> I looked at mom and dad. My, I remember to this day mom saying, she tried to tell you to stop. <laughs> God knows how to bring you down. God knows when you think life's all going in your, uh, in your direction and life's all about you and if it wasn't for you, this couldn't happen. I'm the, I'm the best at. I, I'm so good. Now, let me just say to you guys, you might be the best at, and you really might be so good at, but when you start acting like that, God's going to put a thorn in your life because you're going to get exalted above that measure that you can handle. Um, you can have a pat on the back. Maybe you can take the handshake. Maybe somebody can compliment you and you can say that humble servant of God still usable in the Lord's service. But God knows what the measure is in every one of us. And God knows that if I'm starting to get lifted up and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not usable any longer and life becomes all about me now and I become you know, me focused and I, I start building up my life and the way things work best for me and the work of God is now beginning to be neglected and, and people around me are now being neglected because I'm taking care of number one here. God knows I've gone outside of the measure where I'm no longer usable in the hand of God and God will bring a thorn into that person's life, will bring you down to the place where you're usable, where you're humble, where you're broken and you might be crippled like the Apostle Paul, you may have a, a hunchback or, or half blind in your eyes, whatever his problem was, but God knows what to use in our life to bring us down to the place where I'm still usable for God. I'd rather be w with an infirmity and God still using my life than to be somebody that's uh, in great health and, and doing great and mighty things in my eyes and God's not using me one little bit. I don't want to get to heaven. And have God say, could have been well done, but it was all about you. Man, what a travesty that would be. Maybe you'll be out there actively serving God with a pure heart, but just didn't begin to realize pride was starting to inch its way into your heart. So God prevented uh, you from becoming useless by allowing those thorns to grow on your pretty roses. Um, 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. So, now let's look at the strength in our life. Look in verse 8. This is really a, truly a big deal in the Christian life. Verse 8. For this thing, those thorns that are coming into my life, always poking me and hurting so badly. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And we don't like that, do we? Most gladly, and here's Paul's change of attitude, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then listen to verse 10. Therefore, with all these things, the way they've worked out in my life and everything I've explained to you before, therefore, now, I take pleasure in infirmities. Listen to all these things he names. In infirmities, in reproaches, that's when other people are coming down on him. In necessities, when he has such need. In persecutions from those without. In distresses because of life's circumstances. And these key words, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, there's really nothing wrong with praying that God would uh, remove an affliction from my life. Paul prayed three different times. Uh, probably the greatest prayer warrior that I've ever read about. And he prayed three different times for God to remove the thorn. Uh, and many times, guys, you know as well as I do, sometimes God will immediately remove uh, an, a heartache or, a, or a, an infirmity in, in your body. Sometimes he'll do it much later. But you also have to understand, guys, that there are going to be some things that God simply says, no, I can't remove those out of your life. If I take the thorns out of your life, you're going to be swelling up a little bit you're going to be exalted above measure you become unusable and and son when i when you get to heaven you'll understand so much better all that i have waiting for you and all these um you know at the bema seat the rewards and the the gifts uh, that i can honor you with in heaven i don't want you to miss out on those things so you can put up with these thorns for a little bit and i know that you if you'll just trust in me that my grace is going to be there for you always and it doesn't matter how big no matter how hard, no matter how difficult your infirmity or your oppression or your persecution uh, that may be coming into your life, God says, my grace will be sufficient for you in every case. Uh, somebody says, give me a good definition of uh, sufficient. And I think the best word was what was saying tonight. Just enough. That's what you need. It'll always be enough and whenever I, I i think i can't take any more i promise you the grace of god can enable us to go one more step and then to take another step and every step i take i'm still a usable vessel of god i am not an an outcast i'm not the broken pottery on the side that has been discarded i may be broken but i'm i'm still in service for god god is longing for the christian tonight who will be firm enough and stand strong enough and understand that while life gets difficult, the hand of God is at work in my life. 
God has not forsaken me. God is trying to strengthen me. And when I'm robbed of my strength, I'm blessed with God's. And when my strength is depleted, God's is exalted. And when I don't have the strength to get up and do what needs to be done in this Christian life, God can do what I wish was going to be done in such a much greater way than any Christian could ever hope to do so. When I get to El Paso... I still want to be used. With all my heart, I want to be used. I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to fade out. I, I don't want to drift off into the sunset. I mean, it's going to happen one day. But the minute I tip on over, I, I want to still be handing the gospel tract to somebody. I still want to be trying to witness to somebody. I still want to be serving God. I just know if it's going to be done in a way that is usable by the Lord. Trials, heartaches, infirmities are going to just be a part of it. And I'll just have to turn to God every day and say, God, I can't do this today. And God will say, son, I know that. I've allowed those things into your life on purpose. But since you can't do it, I'll just take over and do it for you. I am so hoping God will do that for the rest of my life. I'm hoping that uh, every Christian here tonight would stop and realize that your weakness is not a sign that you're not usable by God. Your lack of talent, I can't sing like so-and-so. I don't have this speaking ability like so-and-so. I can't do this and I can't do that. Guys, it's not a sign of how unusable you are. Please listen, it's how usable you can be. When you realize God's just been waiting to let his strength be made known through my weakness. I can't tell you how many times I've been ready to step up and preach sitting in that chair. And I'm physically dying. I mean, I just feel so rotten, so bad. I remember at Brother Mike Gray's church, I, had, I was preaching their missions conference. And it was the Sunday morning service you know, the one that needs to be really highlighted. And I had a, a, a message that I felt like could really speak to hearts. But I'm five minutes away from stepping up to preach, and I am sick as a dog. I am so sick. Um, I just feel like it was Satan doing that. Now I can say that. But so all I knew to do was I was trembling. I literally, I was shaking and trembling. And I turned up and I said, God, I, I can't do this. I have to make a trade with you. I'll give you my weakness if you'll give me your strength. And when I stepped in that pulpit, I was still trembly and shaky. But a strength came over me that was only, could have only been God. I know that. Amen. Just amazes me when I stop and realize that, you know what? It never has been about me. <laughs> it never has been my talents or my personality or how good or poor I may have been. It's always only ever been about God. And whatever God needs to do to keep me full of his strength, then let him do it. You know what Paul did that I have a hard time doing? Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities. And I have a hard time saying, praise God for this heartache or this grief or whatever. But Paul said, I'm going to glory in that because when I do that, I've learned that when I am weak is when I am strong. So let's stop complaining if God won't remove your infirmity. 
Thank him for it. Claim his power. Let the world see God's brightness in a dark moment in your life. Um, If I overuse some illustrations, please forgive me, but God has never been so bright as he has been in the darkness of Dahlia's life. If you've read any of her posts, I'm not a Facebook guy, but a lot of people show me what people have said, and it's just been humbling. How does somebody like what she's going through, and it doesn't look good, seem so bright? How do they do that? Because they learn to take their weakness and turn to the Lord and just say, God, you have to do this. He's like, I'm up to it. God can do it every time. So when you look into your own heart tonight and you're looking at what you're experiencing, it's no mistake. God did not bring ugliness into our lives, but he allows it. And those things that Satan's always trying to work on and against us and God keeps at bay, every now and then, God allows something to come sliding in with a thorn to deflate some exalted Christian that's unusable now and went beyond his measure of humility to bring us back into line where I can still be usable for the Lord. And if God's allowing something in your life tonight, I think it'd be great to just praise him for it. Well, I don't feel like praising him for it. Well, he's deserving of it, whether we feel like it or not. Or ask for that sufficient grace, most gladly, you know, will I rather glory and my grace is sufficient for thee. Just maybe you needed to ask him, God, I need that grace. Tonight I need that grace of God. And he's promised us, my grace will be sufficient for thee. So while we go to the Lord in prayer right now, our heads bowed and eyes closed, let's, can we consider those things tonight? If God happens to speak to your heart about some of these things very clearly and specifically, would you please let God minister to us tonight as, as we uh, need that tonight? So let's go ahead and we'll pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.